One of the things we do at Agrison is we try to be tuned into the grower environment. If we're coming out with a solution, we'd like for it to be a solution that a grower is actually going to implement. We also want it to fit something the grower is already doing. So it just basically boils down to having technologies that fit what a grower is already doing. Welcome to The Future Faster, a sustainable agriculture podcast by Nutrient Ag Solutions. With our very own Tom Daniel, Director, North America Retail and Grower Sustainable Ag, and Dr. Sally Fliss, Senior Manager, North America Sustainable Ag and Carbon. This is your opportunity to learn about the next horizon in sustainable agriculture for growers, for partners, for the planet. To us, it's not about changing what's always worked. It's about continuing to do the little things that make a big impact. On this week's episode, Brian Cornelius, Director of Applied Sciences at Agrison, joins us to discuss how fertilizer enhancers can maximize crop yield and sustainable outcomes. Among other things, we'll parse some eye-popping new data from a pilot project in Kentucky. But if you haven't yet, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast in your favorite app. Also, make sure you follow Nutrient Ag Solutions on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Dusty Weiss, and it's time once again to introduce Tom Daniel and Sally Fliss. And Tom, we're starting to finally really get into the crop planning for the 2022 crop season here. It's hard to believe, but in just a few weeks, crops are going to start going into the ground in the southern U.S. Yeah, and Dusty, with the weather everybody's having and the winter that we continue to have, it's kind of hard to believe that we are getting ready to start planting crops in the South. And as we do that, I heard an agronomist talk the other day, and he said, you know, we really need to be thinking about our cropping plan, especially around nutrition. What are we going to use on the farm and and how are we going to use it? What forms of fertilizer are we going to use on the farm and how are we going to deliver it? And Sally, I was thinking about it. I don't always call you Dr. Sally Fliss, but you are a doctor in soil science and you are a person that's worked heavy agronomy with the Fertilizer Institute in the past. And one of the key components is around an agriculture system called the four R's, right? So Sally, this is an area that you're clearly have been an advocate around the four R's in North America. Can you give me a quick understanding? What is the four R's? Yeah, Tom. So first of all, there's really only one R. The rest of them are just right. So it's about getting the right source at the right rate at the right time and in the right place. It's thinking about our nutrient management from an active and adaptive aspect where we're always considering how do the different management changes that we're considering making in the field influence our selection of the right source rate timing and placement for nutrient applications. I know on the podcast, we tend to focus on nitrogen a lot because we focus on that emissions reduction piece. But selecting the right source timing and placement really applies to any nutrient that you're going to apply to that field. You've got to think about it if you need to apply sulfur, if you're looking at micronutrients. The four R's can impact whether or not the crop that you intend to fertilize is actually going to take up the nutrients that you're applying. So Sally, for today's podcast, let's just talk mostly about nitrogen, right? We've had a lot of discussion over the last few weeks about the Sustainable Nitrogen Outcome Program that we're administering in the U.S. for next year. So let's talk about nitrogen today in in relation to the four R's. How should the four R's be a cornerstone in building a, a nitrogen plan today? So, Tom, I'd like to take a little step back and think about the four R's at a whole field level first, and then we can get into a little bit more detail on just nitrogen management. But really, 
all the conservation practice decisions that we're going to make on that field, we need to be considering how the four R's will be impacted by that. So if we're thinking nitrogen specifically, right? So if we're going to implement cover crops as part of our whole sustainable ag management at a field level, we may have to change how we credit for nitrogen from the cover crop, right? Whether it's just the method that we terminate that cover crop, are we leaving a lot of green above the soil? And so we've captured some of the nitrogen from the previous season that needs to be credited towards the next season. Or did we include a legume crop in there? So we're actually fixing some nitrogen and adding nitrogen back to the soil. If we look at no-till, it's going to change that source aspect, right? So if you're going to change your tillage, you're going to reduce to no-till all the way, or even if you're going to reduce a pass. So maybe in the past, you fall applied some of your nitrogen source and fully incorporated it. Well, if you're going to change to no-till, then do you eliminate that fall nitrogen application? Do you change to a different source of fall nitrogen application? And if you eliminate it, how does that change how many times this season you're going to apply in season instead of having that fall application? So it's really a systems level thing. I know I tend to always bring us back to the systems level piece, but if we don't think about how all the different decisions we make on that whole field impact our nutrient decisions, we may make a decision around 1R rate, for example, which is the direction a lot of the conservation or not necessarily conservation, but a lot of the programs that we see out there from food companies or other downstream partners just want to focus on rate. Well, how come we can't just reduce rate? Well, it's not as simple as just reducing rate to see the same outcome as you've seen in the past. Wow. So as you said, though, you know, we always talk about that whole acre solution. But when we talk about the four R's, it is around the whole acre solution. You have to look at all the different variables, the different technologies that are available at the farm level, what the growers got as far as equipment. We've got a lot of growers using Y drops today. But if you don't have Y drops, what is your way of doing variable rate technology or and those types of different systems on the farm? So let me ask you a question, Sally. Uh, the first R in the four R's is right source, especially when we're thinking about all the different type of nitrogen products, getting back to a nitrogen discussion. What should we consider when we're looking at what source of nitrogen we should use in 2022? So in addition to price, which I know is still top of everybody's mind right now because of what we're seeing in the marketplace, it's going to be what's available to you. So that's kind of your first cut, right? So if you're in an area where you can't get anhydrous or if you're in an area where you can't get uh, a product like ESN, then that's your first step to take is what are the products that are available to you as a grower or a crop consultant to be able to get on the ground. And then next step is your delivery system, right? So ESN, for example, example is a prill. It's a small pellet. It's a solid fertilizer. Do you have the equipment to do that application? Or, you know, you bought a new planter, but you didn't think about a couple of things and now you've got a liquid planter instead of a solid planter. So how does that change the type of starter or are you going to not use starter anymore? So what I find really frustrating as I interact with some groups is it's always just, well, you know, what's the mechanism? What's the payment that's going to get growers to make a nitrogen management practice change? And I always have to bring them back to some of this same discussion, Tom, of it's not just about reducing rate. It's do they have the product they even need available? Do they have the systems to apply a different type of product? Do they have the right climate, right? We think about an ESN, slow controlled release fertilizer, or something like a super U urea that's got your nitrification and your urease inhibitor on it. 
Well, if you don't have any rainfall all year, adding a product like Super U or ESN, even though there could potentially be environmental benefits, isn't going to do you any good environmentally or crop production wise at the end of the day. So we try and ask growers to do what seems simple because it's simple to regulate or monitor, but it's not necessarily the best science in the field. So really just recapping what you said, first thing on source is what's available. Right. And then what are the capabilities and the technologies that the grower has at his fingertips that can deliver that source or apply it to the acre? Right. So next question, I guess we got the next two R's and I kind of think these two go together. Right, right, right time. What do we need to think about and consider when we're building out our nitrogen plan, when we're looking at rate and timing? What do those two factors have in common? So when you're thinking about rate and timing, if you're going to apply nitrogen out of season, which there's lots of management reasons to apply some of your nitrogen out of season, you may change your rate based on that. You may split so that you've got some of your rate going on early in the season and some going later. On the previous episode of the podcast, we talked about that new crop insurance program where it's ensuring if you lose yield because you switch to a split application and don't get the full rate of nitrogen on there, you can have some benefit from that insurance program if you have a crop loss. So timing and rate are tied together because you want to figure out how do you get the right amount out there, the right rate out there at the right timings so that you still have an opportunity to get nitrogen out if you need it, but if you miss it, how big of an opportunity have you missed? Yeah, when you think about things like a corn crop, we know that nitrogen usage needs are more to the um, the V6, V8, V10, and grain field time, right? So more of an uptake by the plant at those timings. But as you said, there is risk to that technology if you can't get it put on. So your reference back to that insurance program that's available now for growers to use variable rate technology, it is something that we need to be in front of. So right rate, right time, right source. We've had that discussion. So the last one is, the right place. So what do we mean when we're talking about location or placement of fertilizer? So this is a couple of different things. It's placement, you know, relative in that soil profile and relative to the growing plant are really the two we're thinking about when we think about placement. So are we going to do a broadcast application? If we do that broadcast application, does it make sense to incorporate it? Or like we talked about a little earlier, is it a no-till system where we don't want to incorporate? But if we leave it on the surface and we only broadcast apply in a no-till situation, you got a higher risk of loss because it's right there vulnerable on the surface. Or do you want to place it with your seed? Do you want to inject it and get it below ground? Is it a foliar application or is it done through irrigation as a fertigation type application? So again, all those things are going to impact the other three R's, right? Because if you're going to broadcast apply and not incorporate, you're probably going to have a different rate than if you're going to strip till that in or if you're going to band place it with your seed and then do an in-season application. So it's all got to go together to We can't think about one of the R's, and I guess that's why we have four of them and not just one. You know, Sally, we're getting ready to have a discussion here with Agrisyn about fertilizer enhancements. So how does that fit into a discussion about the four R's? 
So a lot of the same principles are going to apply, Dusty, where we've got to think about source rate timing and placement of the additional product that we're going to use in conjunction with our fertilizer. So how do all the same factors we just talked about with just nitrogen fertilizer are going to impact how a biological or other type product is going to perform in the soil or in a cropping system. So I used to always say the four R's are where everything starts. I think that's still pretty true as we really have to think about how all of these different practices we want to implement in our whole acre solution are going to change or require us to consider an adjustment in the source rate timing or placement of any nutrients that we apply to the field. Well, can I just say here that I am so glad that we're having a discussion right now about crop planning because it means that the end of winter is in sight for those of us up here in the northern states. But as we hinted, coming up after the break, we're going to get really specific talking about some of these inputs. Talking to Brian Cornelius, the Director of Applied Sciences at Agrison. That's coming up in a moment here on The Future Faster. FarmSmart is the core of Nutrient Ag Solutions' sustainable agriculture offerings leading the field with growers to record positive environmental impacts while identifying and embracing new revenue streams. In leveraging practices and products and recording your outcomes, your reward for making informed agronomic decisions will be waiting for you in our digital sustainability platform. The data you input can help set a baseline, identify opportunities for continued improvement, and help qualify you for market access opportunities. We're here to maximize incentives and help ensure the legacy of your operation. Getting started with FarmSmart is easy. Log in or create an account with Agrable, then track your data and get paid. Getting started now means we can get to the future faster. FarmSmart, where sustainability meets opportunity. NutrientActSolutions.com slash FarmSmart. This is The Future Faster, a sustainable agriculture podcast by Nutrient Ag Solutions. I'm Dusty Weiss, along with Tom Daniel and Sally Fliss, and we're joined now by Brian Cornelius, Director of Applied Sciences at AgriSynth. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, Dusty. I really appreciate the opportunity. So, Brian, tell us a little more about AgriSynth, how it became a part of the Loveland Products portfolio, and what's your current role with the company? Okay, so Agerson is a company that's been around for quite a while. The name Agerson dates back to about 2012. Prior to the name Agerson, we were Advanced Microbial Solutions. And Advanced Microbial Solutions was a company that acquired a technology from a gentleman named Mr. Bob Pedigo. So Mr. Pedigo had a really unique way of taking different feedstocks and running those through a biological process to create a very nice, clean nutrient enhancement type material. So a group of investors acquired that technology from Mr. Pedigo and tried to find a way to get that technology into more acres like your common row crop acres, the 90 million acres of corn, the 75 million acres of soybeans versus some of the smaller niche markets that Mr. Pedigo was pretty much tapped into. So from there, we transitioned in 2012 as well to a really more formal relationship with Nutrien, where Nutrien came in and took a minority interest in Agrison. And fast forward a couple of years from there, 2014, Nutrient comes back and takes a minority position into Agerson because of the growth of the technology and the increased interest in the field. It's been a really good relationship being a part of the Nutrient organization. 
So, Brian, once again, thank you for being with us today. But innovation is one of those words we toss around a lot within Nutrient. You know, we're driving for new technology, new innovations, and new opportunities to introduce those to the grower. And especially within the Loveland product portfolio, Agrison is a leader in a lot of the products that our retail group actually works with and sells today. So can you give me an idea, why are these products from Agrison so unique? One of the really unique things about Agrison is how we actually produce our products. We use a biological extraction of different substrates. So it's that biological extraction of, let's say, our seaweed product where it's kelp meal. We biologically extract the kelp. Let's say it's our accomplished line of products. Those products are derived from a biological extraction of different carbon sources. So that's what sets Agrison apart is how we actually create our products through a biological extraction versus a lot of other companies that have products out there. They either use chemical extractions or they use, let's say, a compost tea type of process. We have a very efficient, very clean biological extraction. So Brian, the uniqueness in the production obviously is is a big factor within the Agrison products and how you guys have set that whole program up. But what are the particular product focuses that you're building toward in 2022 and even beyond that? What categories are y'all trying to uh, build products for today? We're really big in nutrient efficiency, and I think that's a big category that has a lot of focus in the industry in general. How can we make nutrients more efficient or get the most out of the fertility programs. And as you guys are very well aware of, fertilizer prices are at a level that they haven't been in a lot of years. The fertilizer prices are pretty high right now. And all of the growers that I talk to are trying to figure out, is there something I can bolt onto my fertility program to get more out of it with the budgets that we have? If I cut my fertility back, is there a way that I can still maintain a level of yield that I would like to do? So a lot of the Agrison products are very focused in nutrient efficiency, nutrient availability. And then, of course, we've got other products that focus on stress mitigation. Brian, you mentioned nutrient use efficiency in your previous answer there, and we focus a lot on nutrient use efficiency as part of our sustainable ag programs. We end up focusing a lot on nitrogen, but there are different areas where phosphorus use efficiency or other micronutrients need to have an efficient use too. What's the landscape of products that Agrison has available for addressing things beyond just nitrogen use efficiency? Yeah, Sally, that's a good one. We do have a product that is specifically designed to increase phosphorus availability. So our Prolog product that's offered through Nutrien, we take an approach that's a little bit different because we have a system that we can actually biologically digest rock phosphate with a phosphate solubilizing community of organisms. And those phosphate solubilizers are designed to break down insoluble phosphorus and the metabolites that come from that phosphate solubilizing system once applied to the soil also help with increased cycling of the phosphorus that's in the soil as well. So we also have an isolate that is a known phosphorus solubilizer in that Prolog product that can also, once introduced into a soil environment, help solubilize insoluble phosphorus in that system. But there's more to the Prolog product than just the phosphate solubilizing isolate and the phosphate solubilizing metabolites. It also serves as a zinc source because many of the growers who apply liquid phosphorus fertilizer, let's say it's just commodity 103040, 
many of those growers are adding zinc because of the phosphorus and zinc uptake ratios. So we thought it would be really beneficial to not just focus on the phosphorus piece, but also bring in that zinc uptake ratio component as well. So we can provide zinc as well as provide some increased efficiency in uptake or conversion of some of the phosphorus that's either in that starter blend or some of the phosphorus that may be unavailable in that soil system itself. Yeah. Follow-up question on that product specifically. Is that something that a grower would apply just to a field to change phosphorus availability? If say they're a dairy producer and have a really high soil test phosphorus level, or is it really something that's part of a fuller fertilizer blend that's going to go out on a field? The prologue is generally designed to go in furrow with a starter blend, whether it's a 1034 or some of your ortho blends where the zinc is needed in that system. From a manure standpoint or unlocking nutrients that may be in that soil system, we have another technology in extract. And when we named the product, that's what we wanted to do is give people a sense of what that product can do for you for nutrients that are already in the system. Or let's just say a grower has already paid for that nutrition before in a previous year's cropping system. And those nutrients are still in that system, maybe bound or unavailable. That's where our extract product comes in. And we can do a broadcast application of extract extract across a manured field, or we can do it with a weed and feed. There are some side dress opportunities, whether it's a wide drop application. That's where our extract product fits. It's designed to help free up bound nutrition that may be in that soil profile that's not available to the crop. So again, extract would be more of a broadcast product application that would help with nutrient availability, nutrient cycling, and increased nutrient uptake. So, Brian, I'm going to ask you about another product. It's part of the Nutrient Solutions family of products. But there's one particular product, and we talk about nutrient efficiency, especially on the phosphorus side, that I'm familiar with and watched it as it was uh, applied to some of our research farm down in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. We call it the Bruce Farm down there. And I know you mentioned to me the other day that it was interesting, some of the data you saw come off some of the plots down there that actually supported the opportunity to reduce phosphorus levels when you're using some of these optimization products. Can you tell us about the product and tell us about some of the research you've seen on that. Yeah, Tom, the product you're talking about is Titan XC. And Titan XC is a class of the biocatalyst technology from Agerson, but the application of Titan XC is designed to be put on dry fertilizer. So whether it's a 92330 blend that you're very familiar with in that part of the country, which was the same blend that was used at that research farm, what Titan does, it is designed to go on dry fertilizer and help with the accelerated breakdown and increased availability of those dry blends. Because what we see often is dry fertilizer sometimes is not that efficient. We use a lot of it because in most years it's fairly reasonably priced, but there's a lot of things that can be done to help increase the availability or accelerate the breakdown of it. So that's what Titan XC is designed to do is break down dry fertilizer to make that fertilizer more available to that crop faster. The data that you mentioned was done, I think, in 2019 and another follow-up in 2020, where they were looking at their standard fertility practice with dry fertilizer in that area, which was 300 pound spread rate of 92330. And they were trying to see, is there an opportunity to add technology to this to get more efficiency out of it? So the way they designed the trial is they said, okay, let's do a 10% reduction. We're going to have our standard 300 pound rate. 
That's our 100% rate. And then we're going to cut it back 10%. We're going to pull 30 pounds out and look at 270 pounds of that blend. And then we're going to put Titan on both. We're going to put Titan on the reduced blend at 270 pounds, and we're going to put Titan on the full blend. So what we found, which I thought was pretty interesting, is that the untreated fertilizer at 270 pounds versus 300 pounds didn't give any yield difference. There was no difference by having an additional 30 pounds or by cutting 10% out. But when we looked at adding Titan to that, when we put Titan on the 270 pounds, we got about a six bushel increase on the 270 pounds. And then when we put Titan on the 300 pounds, we got another five or six bushel increase where we put it on the 300 pounds. But again, there was no difference when we didn't have the Titan on the fertilizer, no difference in 270 or 300 pounds. So that means that, yes, if we're in a situation where we need to pull back because of budgets or some other factor, we know that adding Titan to the dry fertilizer can increase our efficiency and give us either the same result or it can give us a higher yield. Yeah, and I'd say, Brian, that if we've got growers that are actually doing planting close to watersheds or blue streams that um, they're trying to make sure their phosphorus doesn't move off site, if they can reduce that rate slightly and still get the same efficiency or the same uh, productivity out of it, that's a great piece, right? So to me, that's uh, some really good opportunities on that part. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Every state now has a nutrient reduction strategy, especially those that are around sensitive bodies of water, whether it's the Lake Erie watershed or the Chesapeake Bay or Lake Michigan. Everyone's concerned about phosphorus movement or phosphorus runoff. Really, phosphorus is more detrimental when there's movement of soil. It generally, in a normal system, it doesn't really move much in the profile. We did some research with Arise Research several years ago, and we've done some other research over the years that shows when we have lysimeters under some of these plots that capture the runoff through these plots, where we've got that biocatalyst technology, we're actually making the nutrients available and pulling those up through the crop versus those nutrients leaching through the profile. So how do you mitigate the continual buildup of phosphorus levels when you've got manure situations? The one way is to try to pull some of those nutrients off of that field through the plant and making those nutrients plant available is how we do it with the Agrison technology. That's great information on those projects you guys have been working on, Brian. We always talk about everything from a whole acre solution standpoint, and you've kind of touched on that as how these products fit in with the different other practices we have going on on the field. So in the opening segment today, we talked about the aspects of for our nutrient stewardship, you know, considering that right source rate timing and placement. And it sounds like those same ideas apply here that as we're considering which of these products to use to help us enhance nutrient use efficiency, we need to think about source rate timing and placement as well, in addition to those other conservation practices. So how do some of these products fit with a practice like cover crops or reduced till or no-till as we're trying to build these whole acre conservation solutions? Good question. And one of the things we do at Agrison is we try to be tuned into the grower environment. We like to say that if we're coming out with a solution, we'd like for it to be a solution that a grower is actually going to implement. And one of the things that helps there is if you can bolt on a technology to something the grower is already doing versus creating a technology that might be really interesting, but it's going to completely change how a grower has to try to, you know, his cultural practice and things like that. 
So we want it to be easy for the grower to use. We also want it to fit something the grower is already doing. So from an Agerson standpoint, when you look at a grower's fertility program, we think we have technologies that can be bolted on to what the grower is already doing. Again, from the extract standpoint, if a grower is going out with a broadcast application of a burned down herbicide, let's say there was a cover crop that was destroyed and now he's doing a chemistry application, he can put extract out there and get the biocatalyst technology into that system. His dry fertilizer, that's going to be a Titan XC application, and he doesn't have to do anything extra to get that application to work for him other than say, yes, I want to put Titan XC on my dry fertilizer. From an accomplish standpoint, and we're transitioning from their traditional accomplish LM to accomplish max, it's our new technology offering for that inferral application. If he's using an inferral or two by two application of liquid fertilizer, all he's got to do is bolt that technology into that. And it's all designed to help him either recapture nutrients that were previously applied that are bound or increase the efficiency of the nutrients that he's already applying in that system or newly applying in that system with some of those other applications. So it just basically boils down to having technologies that fit what a grower is already doing. We don't have to make a change in that grower's cultural practices. So I'm going to ask you about one last product, and this is the one that kind of excites me when I hear about it, even though I am about nutrient efficiency products for sure. But this particular product is one that combats stress within a growing crop, and it's got a unique name. So tell me about this product, Maritime. What is it? What makes it unique to other products? Okay, so Maritime, it ties back to the sea because the feedstock with Maritime is kelp meal. More specifically, Ascophyllum nodosum, which is a certain species of kelp that most of the products on the marketplace in the seaweed arena are using the exact same source or exact same species. The difference in Maritime and other seaweed products on the market is we use a biological extraction of the seaweed versus a chemical extraction, which a lot of those products are extracted with potassium hydroxide. There are some physical extractions with the cold presses, but what we do with our process to create Maritime is a complete digestion of the kelp meal. So everything that is in that kelp meal comes out in that extraction or what we call our bioconversion. And here's what's really interesting about it. Just think about where seaweed grows in a cold, dark, salty ocean. So that plant has the ability to grow in a salty environment. How do we transfer that ability to other crops? It can grow in cold environments. How do we get that ability out of that to grow or to help our other crops grow in cold environments? It boils down to managing abiotic stress or stresses that are created by natural factors, not living things like disease organisms or things like that. So we feel like the way that we do the extraction of the kelp allows us to pull all of those characteristics out in a very clean formulation that we can apply as a foliar spray or we can put it through a starter application with, you know, the Accomplish Max. That is the additional functionality that we put into Accomplish Max is adding that seaweed component. So it does a very good job of allowing plants to manage stress because of the nature of where that plant grows. Well, Brian, maximizing fertility is definitely a hot topic right now. And as Tom Daniel is fond of saying, we like to meet the grower where he is. And you've definitely helped us do that today. You've set the table with a whole suite of options for our growers. So this has been a really helpful chat. Brian Cornelius, Director of Applied Sciences from Agerson, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Future Faster. 
That is going to conclude this edition of The Future Faster, The Pursuit of Sustainable Success with Nutrient Ag Solutions. New episodes arrive every other week, so make sure you follow us in your favorite app and join us again soon. Visit futurefaster.com to learn more. The Future Faster podcast is brought to you by Nutrient Ag Solutions with executive producer Connor Irwin and editing by Larry Kilgore III. And it's produced by Podcamp Media. Branded podcast production for businesses, podcampmedia.com. For Nutrient Ag Solutions, thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss.